Welcome to the Entrepreneur's MBA, bringing you lessons from real-life entrepreneurs they don't teach in business school. Here's your host, business coach and marketing strategist, Adam Kipnis. Hey, everyone. Welcome to today's episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast, Lessons You Just Can't Learn in School, where we learn from successful entrepreneurs on how to grow your business and attract clients now. Every business needs new clients to survive and thrive. And as my gift for being loyal listeners, I'd like you to show you eight steps to attract clients now without spending a ton of market money on marketing or advertising. So please go to freebookfromadam.com and get those eight steps. They are clear, step-by-step, and easy to implement on how to get clients now. And today's guest was named by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 13 business shows in 2017. J.V. Crum III is the host of four shows on the Conscious Millionaire podcast with more to come. He's a 34-time best-selling author, speaker, high-performance coach who is known for his live on-camera trainings where he helps coaches and entrepreneurs $50,000 or more in his to put that money in the bank. And he is the founder of Conscious Millionaire and the HighPerformerBootCamp.com. Thank you, JV, for being here. I really appreciate your time today. Well, Adam, thank you so much for having me. And hello to everybody out there. I'm looking forward to us getting to know each other and giving you hopefully some great content because I want to see you get your business really growing and making a big difference out there. I appreciate that. And I know the listeners do as well. What we're all about is taking small businesses to big businesses, taking one-person businesses to the next level, and helping people ultimately make more money and attract more clients. And you've been gracious enough to offer a gift to everyone listening as well to be a high performer. Well, yeah, absolutely. I have the high performer formula, and these are the exact steps you need no matter where you are on your journey so that you can become a true high performer as a business owner, as a coach, as an entrepreneur. This is the link where you can get it absolutely free as a listener today. It's ConsciousMillionaire.com forward slash high performer. That's ConsciousMillionaire.com forward slash high performer. And I'd love for you to go get it so that you've got the exact steps and now you've got a model how you can grow and build your business and how you can grow as a human being and become a true high performer. That's awesome. Appreciate you doing that. And for, and for everybody listening, definitely go and, and go to the link and get those steps because we can all increase our performance. And one more thing, two more things, five more things that can help us do that, that are tried and true, can make all the difference in your business. And, and JB, I want to start... Not at the beginning, beginning, unless you want to, but we all started our entrepreneurial journey for a reason. There was something in our life, something within us, something that drove us to say, I'm going to go and forge my own path. What was that for you, and when did it happen? Well, I think there are two parts to it, because um, I didn't really, until I'd been an entrepreneur, I guess, for over 18 years officially as an adult and sold some companies that I even think of myself as an entrepreneur. So that's an interesting question of its own. Uh, so the first thing was childhood. So I grew up out in the country. There were maybe two or 300 people. 
our family didn't have any money, but knew, nobody else did. I was just the only little kid in town that was determined to make some money. So by the time I was four on, I was always creating little business ideas and doing things and selling things to everybody in town, doing their lawn mowing, everything that I could think of. So that was kind of the first phase was that if I was going to have any money as a little kid, I mean, I literally got a dime allowance. And um, and I had to do a lot of stuff like mow an acre, uh, clean, wash the cars, uh, clean my bedroom, take out the trash, all that kind of stuff. And I got 10 cents. So I figured if I was going to make some money, I had to go figure out how to do it myself. So that was really the beginning entrepreneurial stage. And then I had finished my first graduate degree, and I was going to go to law school, but my father's company was basically bankrupt, and I was 20, 22 at the time, and he said, will you come and help me? Well, I didn't think I knew anything about business, but I loved my dad, and I said, I'll come for six, six months. I stayed for 18 and a half, ended up owning um, a large part of the business, uh, selling the business, and in the process, building a really comfortable seven-figure business with 50 people who work for us and learning a lot about business. So that was really my motive wasn't to be an entrepreneur. My motive was like to help the family. It was only later that I realized I was actually an entrepreneur out of this whole process. <laughs> and that's so interesting. as just a life lesson because many entrepreneurs are motivated to help someone. In your case, it was helping the family and other people. It's helping bring different things to the world, helping people be more successful. Helping people is a key part of entrepreneurism because the more people you can help, the more money you can make, the more your business can flourish. And I, I, to I totally agree with you, Adam. At Conscious Millionaire, our entire focus, we work with business owners, entrepreneurs, coaches. That's the group of people we work with. And our entire focus is helping them make first a big impact and turning that big impact into big money. So we're always in that dual focus of how can you make a bigger impact with your business, with your life, you know, solve bigger problems, help more people, transform them, and in the process, make big money for doing that. that, that we bring the two together. And actually, I think that's the real business model going forward is that's what people are looking for as an entrepreneur. And as a consumer, if you think about consumers today, they want to do businesses with businesses that are doing good, that are set up to, you know, help them live a better life, help society become better. That's what people are looking for. And, and, and you said big impact um, a couple of times. And, and impact is so important in the world. There's impact investing. There's impact lifestyles. And you talk about ha a, having a big impact vision. What is a big impact vision, and how does one create one? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. Well, let's start with the creating part, because that's really where it all begins, is typically when I'm working with an entrepreneur, one of the questions that I'm going to start with is, why do you want to do this? So if I'm helping somebody build a podcast, why do you want a podcast? If I'm helping somebody you know, double their business, why do you want to double the business? Or why do you even want to be in this business? And out of that, the that bigger impact or bigger purpose or difference, however you look at it, that vision, it comes out of the person themselves. And that's what really gives them the joy. That's what gives them the passion. That's what gives them the excitement to get up in the morning. And then it's something inside of them. It's unique. If you're listening today, I can guarantee you 
that there's something inside of you that you really want to accomplish with your life. And when you connect with that and you begin connecting that also to what I call your wheelhouse, what are your core skills? And then you look at, well, who do I really want to be doing that for? How, how do I want to help them? Maybe it has something to do with personal development or you want to have people be more financially successful or you want to help, you know, new mothers in order to have the right products in order to help their babies, whatever it is, then you begin to attract other people, and that's your team, because the team goes, the ideal team is going to really believe in your vision. They're going to go, yeah, new mothers need the right products and take care of their babies, and, and they can also get some sleep at night, right? And you've got a product that will help do that. Well, that's going to transform that mother and the baby's life and other people are going to want to be part of that vision. Now you have to look at how do you put the business together so you're not just doing good, not just helping the mother and the baby, but you're helping them in a way that people will buy what you're selling. They'll buy it at a price that you can make a good profit, and therefore you can make good money from making this big impact with your life and your business. Fantastic. And, and that the impact is, is huge. And when, when I meet entrepreneurs in my business, whether it's through my one-on-one -on -one coaching or my online program or, or, my, or my podcast here, one of the hardest things for some entrepreneurs to be able to say or speak or get people to understand is not what they do every day, but the result that the, that the, client or the buyer of their product is going to achieve. How do you help people as they're on this journey up to seven figures really translate what it is they do into what is that result or impact that they're going to deliver? Fantastic question. Well, I help people at, at, at all stages. So we do boot camps for coaches that haven't yet reached 100,000 or they want to get to that 100 to 250. We have private coaching for six- and seven-figure business owners and coaches. I'm always looking at three areas. And I want to tell you, when I work with people, I help them figure out their three areas as well. So part of the figuring out of the three areas, is these are things you're really good at, and then putting them together in a way that's going to have a lot of value for the people you help. So the first area I always work on is mindset. Now, I've got nine years of NLP training. I have a master's in clinical psych, so it's an area that I know a lot about. But I'm focusing, you know, a lot of people focus on what's the limiting beliefs. Well, the limiting beliefs is just like the tip of the iceberg. One of the things I always focus on with everybody is their relationship with money. Because I can guarantee you if you're listening today, that for you to get to your next, what I call your next summit, you're going to have to shift how you think about business how you think about money, your feelings, your thoughts about money, your relationship with money has got to shift. And you might go, oh, well, I thought if somebody got to be a millionaire that that was over. Well, let's think about, um, you know, people who are billionaires. So, you know, if you think about Warren Buffett, great guy, the last figure I saw, so you might have seen something um, more recent, was that he was worth about $58 billion. The last figure I saw on Jeff Bezos was just a couple of months ago. He's the richest man on earth that, that we know of. Putin might be more, more wealthy, but we don't know that. Um, and he's worth $130 billion. So Warren's been at it a lot longer than Jeff, 
But Warren's way of thinking about value investing is great, but he's kind of living in the industrial and post-industrial world. He buys railroads. He buys insurance companies. But he's not on the tech forefront. Jeff, on the other hand, is thinking about business as a disruptor. That's how he's building Amazon. And that turns out to be, so far, at least twice as more profitable for him in terms of his own net worth because his relationship with money, while we think of Warren Buffett as, as like the pinnacle, well, Jeff's worth twice as much as him. Why? Because he thinks about money differently. His relationship to money is different. And he's looking at how he can grow through all these leverage points and disruptive points. And that's how he's growing Amazon. So you're listening today. So let's say you haven't yet gotten to your first million. Great. You can and the fastest way to get there is to first shift your relationship to how you think about money and how you think about business and the things you're going to focus on. Now, once you're working on that, you've got to get your strategy. So that's the second area I focus on. So strategy could be I help people put podcasts together. By the, by the end of this year, I'll have seven total podcasts all on being a high performer. I help people redo their business models so that their business model is very specific. It's lean. It's focused on only doing the things that are going to make them the most money. It's focused on solving one big problem for one very specific group of people that have the problem and they want that problem solved. So they've got a big reason for doing it. So I work with them on the business model. Or I might work with them on their marketing strategy. How are they going to get their message out there? But all that comes down to execution, and that's the third area. And execution, you hear a lot about systems. I'm a systems thinker. To me, execution is always about systems. And what systems? Systems are just knowing the steps that you need to take in the specific order you need to take them and taking them that way over and over again. So if you do it, you can teach it to Johnny, and you can teach it to Sally, and you can continue to grow and scale your business because everybody's doing it the same way, and you learn the best way to do that in order to get that outcome you want at the end of those steps. So it's really changing your mindset, the way you relate to money, how you think about your business, the strategies that you use to grow your business, to scale it, to leverage it, and then executing to get the results that you want. That's how you build a business, whether it's getting to that first 100,000, that first million, or multiple millions, or eight figures. It's really all the same process. And those three steps make it so simple to follow. It's never easy, but it's simple. But what do you say to the entrepreneur that you encounter, or the business owner, that, that says, JV, I've got so much going on. I've got my clients. I've got my employees. I've got to make sure that the, the ordering is done, and I've got to make sure all these things are happening, and they're so deep in their business. I don't have time to go back and, and start again. Yeah. Well, you don't have to start again, but what you might have to do is take out the pruning. Uh, you know, the, I grew up in the country, right? So you got some pruning shears, and you might have to cut off some dead limbs or even cut off some limbs that are getting in the way of other limbs that are really growing. So I always ask, what is the least number of things you can do to get to the result you want in 30 days? So I like to work in 30 days. That doesn't mean we don't know where you want to be in 90 days or the end of the year. We'll start there. But I find that when you ask the question, 
what is that number one priority result that you can accomplish in the next 30 days? This is one of the most painful but useful things to do once a month because it forces you to get honest with yourself because the answer you want to have as an entrepreneur, because we are, one of the things about entrepreneurs is we got more ideas than we could do with, you know, in a week, we can come up with more ideas than we could do probably in a lifetime, right? So what it forces you to evaluate, if this is really what I want to accomplish over the next 12 months, then this is what I want to accomplish in the next 30 days, and I've got to make that my priority. And guess what? That means a lot of the things that right now you're planning to do, you're not going to do. But here's what I've noticed. The entrepreneurs that struggle and struggle and struggle, and you know if you're listening, if that's you, whether it's struggling to get to 100,000 or to a million, whatever it is, they're doing way too many things. And they've, they've deluded themselves. I want to be real honest about this. They've deluded themselves into thinking they are all equally important, and they're not. There's always going to be one one outcome that's going to make the biggest difference in any 30-day period. And your job as an entrepreneur is to determine what that is and then make that your obsessive focus for the next 30 days for your team, for your business, and you will get to that outcome. Your probability is very high to get there. And you're just going to have to let go, which is one of those things, you know, that's a learning, learning process. You're just going to have to let go of the other things and say, if they don't happen, it's okay. Because what's most important to move my business forward is that I accomplish this one outcome, and so I'm going to be obsessive about it. And it's about figuring out what it is you want and then breaking it into small chunks. Uh, right. it's, it's always great yeah. to have somebody who, who thinks in, like I do when, I, when I'm working with my clients and I'm all about client attraction. How do we attract more clients to your business? And my clients always say, I need X this year. And, and I've got to change their thinking to, no, you need one client now. And once you get one client, then you need one more. And, and so it's the same line of thinking of really coming down to what is it you need to do today to move the business forward. I, I agree. It's about immediacy. And I watched a lot of people. I remember I went to an event, and I was in a mastermind, and the guy I was rooming with, uh, he had been working on his uh, just detailed uh, technical back end of his business for a year but didn't have a single client. And we all told him the same thing. Stop doing this because you're building the empire and you don't even know what the empire is really going to look like because you need to get out there. The best feedback you can ever get is from the marketplace, you know, because you can sit and think, well, this is really what people want. But if nobody's buying it, either they don't want it or they don't like the price, or you haven't communicated something to them that they need to hear in order to know they want to buy it. But the marketplace is telling you something has to change. You can't figure that out if you're trying to do 10 different things and, and, and having it all on paper. So if one of the things you need to do is go get cash flow, that's the fast way to get cash flow is you've got to get clients, got to get sales, got to put money in the bank, then that should be what you're focused on. And I agree with you, Adam. It's one client, and then you get the next client, and then you get the next client. And guess what? It doesn't just get easier. 
but it gets faster because as you get each of those clients, you begin to notice distinctions about what you said, what you did, uh, what the headline might have been, how you went about it, and you'll go, oh, well, that seems to work really easily, and this part didn't seem to work at all. Well, guess what? Try the part that worked really easily the second time. So you're in a constant iteration learning curve, and then what's fun about it is I don't know anybody who doesn't like to put money in the bank who's an entrepreneur. So the great thing about getting clients is you get to see the money go in the bank. <laughs> right. I mean, right. let's be serious. I mean, you're, you're going to be making a great impact with them, but you got your reward up front of seeing, oh, I've got money to run my business. I can pay my bills. You know, I can pay my mortgage. A lot of times that's the problem you, you have to solve on a financial level, and it's great to see yourself solving it because then you believe in yourself at a different level. Exactly. If you getting your first client, whether it's your first new client starting tomorrow or it's your first client ever, that there is never a better time to pick up the phone and make another call after you get than after you get a client because your confidence level is so high. So I want to come back to the beginning where you talked about high performer and and the, and the steps to to being a high performer. Can can everybody or can anybody be a high performer? You know, I, that's another great question, Adam, because I'm, I'm, I'm a guy who's going to tell you the way it is. There's a big difference between the question, can everybody and will everybody? So let's deal with the elephant in the room. Will everybody become a high performer? Well, look around you. The answer is no. Can everybody? Yes, absolutely. Because high performer starts with who you are and taking your life to another level taking your business to another level. That's really the essence of being a high performer is that you're setting new quality standards. You're setting new outcomes for yourself. High performers, I've been interviewing some Olympic medalists for my show. Yesterday I, I, interviewed, I interviewed Jonathan Horton, who's an Olympic medalist. And, um, you know, his gymnastics career was over as a professional gymnast. He's 32 a year ago at 31. And now he's building businesses. He's looking at other things. But he approaches them all the same way as how can I achieve more today than I achieved yesterday? So the question you have to ask yourself, the difference between those who will and those who can, because everybody can, is the ones that will are willing, I'm going to say it, they're willing to make the sacrifice. They're willing to be disciplined. They're willing to get up in the morning and do those things that are necessary to get to their next level, and other people are going to sit on the sofa and not do it. So you have to make a decision. If you want to be a high performer, can you? Absolutely. There are some sacrifices that have to be made. You're going to sacrifice some free time maybe. You're going to sacrifice if you want to go to the gym and you want to build a great body, you're going to sacrifice not being sore because you're going to be sore sometimes. And you're going to work out. This was uh, something that was really interesting. Uh, Brent's first name, I was interviewing another Olympic athlete. And when we were talking before the show, he said, here's the deal. There never is a perfect day. And he's an Olympic medalist. He goes, there's never a day when everything is absolutely the way you'd want. And he talked about going to two Olympics and not winning anything. And then he went to the third Olympic where he was having all kinds of back spasms. He goes, that was the time I shouldn't have won. 
But I was just so fed up with not winning. I was determined to win, and he got a bronze. So I think that's what it really is like being a high performer, is that if you decided, I'm just using the analogy, you really want to build your body well. Well, there are going to be days that you just don't really want to go to the gym. But you know what? If you've got it that, you know, on Wednesday you're going to the gym at 6 a.m., then you're going to go to the gym at 6 a.m. That's the difference between those who will and those who can't. There are going to be days when you're going to say, it's scary today, and I don't feel like picking up the phone and calling anybody to get them as a client. The difference between people who are going to get clients on that day and people who aren't, or the, the people who are, are going to go ahead and pick up the phone, even though they don't want to, even though they're feeling kind of scared that morning, even though they'd rather do anything but talk to people that day about becoming clients, they're going to pick up the phone and call them. That's the difference between will and can. Wow. That, that really outlines it. And one of my coaches always says, in, in business, if you have 50 good days a year, 50 out of 365, you'll be a millionaire. And it, it's knowing that not everything works, not every day is going to be perfect, like you said. But if you keep at it and be disciplined and have enough of them, 50 good days a year will make you a millionaire in your business. So when you're working with, with your coaches and your entrepreneurial clients, and they're going through one of those ruts, or I had Jonathan Horton on, on this show, a uh, great guest, and he came back from probably the, one of the worst days a gymnast could have and rededicated himself and said, all right, that was awful. I'm going to rededicate myself. So when your clients come to you and they're having one of those bad days, how do you keep their head in the game? How do you work with them to know that tomorrow's another day? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. So what I do is I, um, I refocus them on accessing a positive state inside of themselves. So I have nine years of NLP. So I'm going to pull out the NLP card on those days and I'm going to get them connected to a positive moment in their life that was a positive state and I'm going to get them anchored to that and have them repeatedly anchor to that positive state and then become resourceful. Because really what happens to us is on the days that we're kind of off, we're in a non-resourceful or kind of a negative state. And if we stay in that state, we're not going to accomplish anything. So we've got to break that pattern. And sometimes we're like going, I don't want to break that pattern. I'd rather just sit here and be miserable. And it's like, yeah, well, okay. So you want to be miserable? You want to achieve something today or do you just want to waste today? So sometimes you have to kind of get in somebody's face. And I always appreciate when people get in my face because let's just be honest, we got to call the elephant out and we got to say, you know, this is what's really going on. So let's change states. And it's amazing when somebody changes states in five, 10 minutes, once they get into a positive resourceful state and a reference point of a time they really were successful, and we all have those reference points, all of a sudden, you start feeling more confident and you're excited about picking up the phone and dialing for money. That's exciting. And, and, and one, a few last things before we wrap up. One is you've, you've got four podcasts. You're going to launch three more, so you have seven. And you, uh, you help people build their own po podcasts. You have a roadmap for people to build their own podcasts. How can a podcast like this or a podcast like yours, or one that you coach your clients on, lift a business? And more importantly, how do people take a podcast or a platform, whether it's a radio show or speaking or whatever, and utilize that 
to actually make more money rather than just use it as to put their name out there. Yeah, I think, I think that's great. Uh, I have a nine-step formula, so I'll, I'll talk just briefly about the first three steps because that's really going to answer a lot of your questions. Uh, so the first step, everything I do with anyone, I always start with the why question. Why are you doing this? And the why question is really what's the outcome you want. If you think about it, why leads to, to some kind of an outcome. So we get clarity about that up front. What's the impact you want to be making? What's the money you want to be making? Do you want to be building your brand or your personal brand? Do you want to be promoting a cause? What's this about? Most people never spend that kind of time to figure those things out. But that's really your foundation. Without it, you really can't make any decisions about your podcast. Then what I always do is I review with them, and sometimes we substantially redo their business model. So their business model is very crisp. It's very clear. We know exactly who their market is. We know exactly what impact and problem they're solving, exactly how they're solving that problem, what they have to offer. And we get that clear first. We haven't talked about podcasts really yet. Now, the third step is we're going to take the podcast and build a model for that podcast that's going to allow them to use the podcast to get the outcomes they want. So it might be a certain kind of money that they want to make. Okay, so where's that money going to come from? Is it going to come from them having advertisements for their own lead magnets that lead to a product or a program? Is it going to come from how they choose their guests or are their guests going to ultimately become clients and that's who they want to uh, have? Or is their guest going to ultimately be someone they can do a JV partnership or an affiliate partnership with? Why did they choose one guest over another guest? They've got to have clear criteria for that and what you want out of the show. And all of that's got to be clear before you ever get to step four, which is designing the show itself. What's going to happen on the show? What's, what's the order? What's the sequence of events? Are there questions that are going to be asked over and over again? How long is it? Uh, I call it the radio clock. So I have four pages for my original podcast, and I know exactly where I should be, what phrase I should use, how I'm going to go out, how I'm going to come back from the commercial. It's all written down, and I know exactly minute by minute where I need to be to finish that recording in 27 minutes. So I help them really design everything about their podcast and their business so that they're – I look at it this way. The podcast is a growth engine that fits inside the business model and it's designed to maximize your growth. And if that isn't what you're doing with your podcast, then you're not getting everything out of it that you could. So it starts with how you design things. That's tremendous advice. And so for all of you listening to podcasts that have thought about doing one yourself, I think those are great places to start because it's not about the podcast. It's about what it's going to do for you and why you're going to do it. So one or two more questions, but, but this one's a, a big one in terms of just learning the entrepreneurial world, learning from other people. They say what a wise man learns from his own failures or his own um, problems and a genius um, learns from other people's. If you look back, whether it was your 18, 18 and a half years in your dad's business or whether it's the things that you've done since, what is one of the biggest lessons that you learned where it wasn't successful or you did fail? What did you learn and how did you bounce back? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So I'm going to go back a ways because it was such a powerful learning. 
So uh, by 25, I'd become a millionaire, bought the new four-story home, had the Mercedes. Um, really, um, it's only been the last few years you've seen Mercedes all over the place. They were like Bentleys initially. And so I'd accomplished a lot at 25. And within three years, so I'm going to give you two lessons. Within three months, I was, I was right on the water, and I was at home. I was looking out my living room because the whole wall was glass. And I realized something was wrong. I said, something's wrong with this picture. And in about a minute, you know, sometimes in life you unravel. And usually when you unravel, it's unexpected and it happens really quickly. And that's what happened for me. Thankfully, I was alone. Uh, And I unraveled. I said, wow, I don't even like myself. I'm horrible at relationships. And all I've learned to do is make some money, but I feel miserable. And I don't really even like my life. I just, this is a nice home. And I was, like, astonished that I'd even said those things, right, because they'd been pent up, I guess. And what I realized was that my little boy dream was I'd grow up and be a millionaire and that it was an incomplete dream. Uh, it was a dream that came out of growing up in a family that didn't have any money. And, I mean, there were times we didn't know where we were going to get dinner. And it was just the way I, I grew up. And I said, I want to grow up and be like this. I want to grow up and live a different life. But as I put it, I had just enough money early enough to realize that actually wasn't the deal. That what was the deal was having money in a way that was meaningful and that I felt like what I was doing every day, waking up, made a difference somehow. But it took me a journey of, uh, you know, going to Wayne Dyer and sweat lodges and spiritual retreats and Tony Robbins and, you know, reading all these books. And what I realized was missing is I didn't have a driving purpose. And so... Here I was financially successful, but without a driving purpose. And then I ended up saying, no, you know, it was my choice. I sold the companies. And I went off to find something that I should do with my life that would be a bigger calling. So we kind of started early in the show about having an impactful vision. And I literally went out and I'd camped for two and three weeks at a time. And as I put it, I asked the universe, why am I here? How can I take my talents? How can I do something important? And there was that moment that conscious millionaire came into my consciousness, literally an inspired thought. I actually saw the words conscious millionaire in my forehead, got a tingling in my spine, and I said, that's it. And it was that I was on the planet to develop this business called Conscious Millionaire and inspire other people to build businesses, to be financially successful, but to do it in a specific way, and that specific way was making a difference with their lives, doing something that was going to be meaningful, doing something that at the end of the day, they were, no matter how much they had worked, they were going to feel like, this is why I'm here. This is the difference I'm here to make. Um, and feel like their clients are better off and that they're making money out of it. I, I realized, could there be a better life? And I'm going, I don't think so. You get to choose to do something that you really feel like you're on the planet to do. You get to change other people's lives in a positive way. And you get to put money in the bank and you still get the nice house in the end, you know. And you can have the boyfriend or the girlfriend, whichever one you want, right? So I think that that's, uh, that was such a big lesson for me is to realize that I thought I'd arrived and then within three months realizing that whatever I'd arrived to was only part of the story and there was something much bigger and then going out and figuring out what that was. And, and so you figured out what it was that really made you you and that you could deliver to the world and, and you wrote the book Conscious Millionaire and you 
in that book, you've got seven habits. Uh, you've talked about discipline and you've talked about systems and uh, you've talked about mindset. But if there was only one, you only had time for one of the seven habits that are in your book, which would be the one you would focus on or you encourage others to focus on? You know, you know folks, I got to say, Adam and I didn't talk about this at all before we went to air. And there's not a better question you could ask me because there was, I put these seven habits because I said, okay, I want seven habits. And six of them were really clear to me. And then there was the one that I kept changing. It would be the habit of the week. And I'd kind of live with it for a week. And I'd go, yeah, it's a really good habit, but I don't think it's the one. And then I hit on the one I'm going to tell you about. And I said, this is it because it's the quintessential conscious millionaire habit. It's the one that without it, the others don't matter. And that's always do what's right. So in any situation in your business or life, step back. I don't care what your rules are. I don't care what your customer service. You had to return it in 30 days. It's day number 45. Ask yourself what's really right to do in this situation and do that. And I can guarantee you that that will probably have more to do with your overall long-term success than anything else you could ever do because who do we all want to do business with? Who do we want to be friends with? Who do we want to hang with? We want to hang with people who we really can trust that in life there's a lot of great things that happen where we didn't plan on them to happen, but don't you want to hang out with somebody or buy from somebody that you know that when everything's said and done, they're really going to do what's right. That is a great way to tie it all together. And, and the quintessential con, uh, conscious millionaire habit, doing what's right, whether that's what's right for you, what's right in the situation, what's right for your client, what's right for your family. We all do things every day, and sometimes we just do, and we don't take that extra step. So I love that. Thank you for, for explaining that and for bringing that to us. And to everyone listening, definitely go to ConsciousMillionaire.com forward slash high performer for J.V. Crumb, the third steps to being a high performer. Thanks, J.V., for being here. I appreciate the knowledge and the information and, and just the, the strategies and ideas that you gave to us today. Adam, thank you so much. And most of all, I want to thank everybody who decided to tune in. So I'll say what I always say on my own podcast. I don't think there are any accidents. I think you're here because you needed this information. So my challenge for you is take one thing that you heard today and put it into action this week to change your life and change your business. I couldn't agree more. Thanks, JV, for being here. Thanks to everyone for listening and look forward to having you on the next episode of the Entrepreneur's MBA podcast. You've been listening to The Entrepreneur's MBA. Download Adam's free book, How to Make More Money in Your Business, at www.freebookfromadam.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.